I wanna welcome you uh, to a new series we're starting today called Story of My Life. Everybody say, Story of My Life. I think it's funny you hear people talk sometimes and they say, well, that's just a story of my life, right? And I think we always say that when it comes to negative things. And isn't it true that sometimes we think that the season we're in is the whole story? Can I just encourage you, it's not the whole story, it's just a chapter. How many believe God's writing another chapter of your life? And as we turn a new year, I really believe we need to turn a new page. Come on, somebody. Come on, y'all need to wake up. I'm excited to be at church. We're gonna get in this thing together because I believe God wants to speak to you. And we're starting, so we're starting this brand new series called Story of My Life. How many of you love a good story? Raise your hand, love a good story. Yeah, we all love a good story, right? We all do. It's always fun when you get together with somebody and you start telling stories and you, you say things like, man, I gotta tell you this one time when, and you, and, and you tell stories. Every single one of you have stories about your life that you love to tell. Hey, let me tell you about the time I had a problem and I, and I overcame it. Or let me tell you about this time I, I set a goal and, and I accomplished it. Let me tell you about the time I made this right decision and, and it was just amazing. Or, or let me tell you about the funny time when I did something really, really stupid. Man, this is hilarious. You gotta hear it, right? We've all got those stories that we love to tell. But unfortunately, all of us have stories that we would rather be untold. Am I right about that? Maybe even entire chapters of our life that we would love just to rather not tell anybody about. You may have even tried to edit some of your own stories before. Maybe change them a little bit, right? Even maybe, maybe lie about them or leave parts out of it or, or make some of the parts better than they really are because there are some parts of our story that we can be ashamed of and, and really wish that, that they weren't a part of our life. And what's so interesting to me is to think back over my life and to realize how many seemingly insignificant decisions had a really significant impact on the direction of my life. Do any of you ever think about that? You think, there's little insignificant decisions can set the course of your entire life. And so you go back and you think, you know, somebody invited me over to hang out and watch the ball game. And I only knew a few people there, but we had a good time. We laughed, we ate pizza, ate wings, had a good time. And I realized that as I was there that a few of those people happened to go to church and I wasn't really a church person, but before we left, they invited me to church. And so I thought, well, I might as well. I kinda like these people. I think I'll go check it out. What could it hurt? And I went to Vibrant on a Sunday and I heard a message and something happened and God got a hold of my life and oh my gosh, my whole life is totally different and I can trace it back to a simple decision to go to a friend's house and watch a ball game. Or maybe you're in college and, and you thought, you know what, I, I, I gotta take a class, I gotta take some elective, I gotta throw something in there because that's what's required and there's this one class and I heard it was really an easy A and so I just signed up for it and I didn't really care about it but all of a sudden I fell in love with that subject and through that I changed my major and now I've got a great career based on that one simple, seemingly insignificant decision to enroll in that class. And sometimes we look back at life and we say, wow, I can't believe the way that decision impacted my story. But the other side of that is true as well. The stories aren't always positive. Sometimes we look back and we think, man, I had no idea how that seemingly insignificant decision would impact my life in such a negative way. I look back and you look back in your life and you think sometimes I've done this before. Well, I wish I'd never started that. I wish I hadn't, hadn't, hadn't ever gone there. I, I wish I had never become friends with that person. 
Wish I'd never entered into that relationship because when I made that decision, I had no idea that my whole life would unravel with that one small decision. Think about it this way. The decisions that were made yesterday determine the stories we're telling today. And as we enter a new year, I want you to think of it this way, kind of moving forward into 2021 and really internalize the power of this truth. Write this in your note sheet. Think about it this way. And that is that the decisions that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. The decisions we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. How many believe that our decisions matter? Amen? I think back to when I was in the Marine Corps and I had, I had come back to the Lord through a series of events I won't get into, I don't have time, but I'd come back to the Lord. I had come back to a, a passion of a calling of God on my life that I had been running from and, and I was just engulfed and it was like fire shut up in my bones with it. And at that time, I was about to finish my tour in the military, my first tour, and I was contemplating what seminary I should go to to prepare for ministry. Well, I had enrolled already, enrolled in a seminary in Texas. And I was prepared to go, loved it, couldn't wait. But then right before I got out of the Marines, I received some information about this seminary in Phoenix, Arizona. And for some reason, it just grabbed a hold of me. And I couldn't let it go, I couldn't shake it. Long story short, I ended up enrolling in the seminary in Phoenix instead and canceled my enrollment in Texas. And during my first year there, while I was interning with the, the great pastor Tommy Barnett in that great church there in Phoenix, Arizona, one night I saw this little brunette girl. And I went over to her and I said, hi, my name is Jason. And she said, hi, my name is Rachel. And I looked at her and I had one of those Adam effects. Remember when Adam looked at Eve and said, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And I had one of those experiences. And when I look back, I think about that decision, that little small decision to switch seminaries and go to Phoenix instead of Texas. It impacted my whole life to the point that that's where I met my wife. And so the moral of the story is that if you're looking to get married, don't go to the first university you see, go to the next one. That's the moral. No, I'm just kidding. But it's amazing the way the decisions we make determines the stories we tell. Are you with me so far? And I'm gonna say it again, the decisions you make today will determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. So the big question I wanna ask today is how do we live a story worth telling? If you don't like what's been written about your life so far, how do we change the narrative? How do we flip the, the script? How do we turn the page? How do we start writing a brand new chapter that God wants? How do we live the life that produces the story that we want to tell? And the answer, I believe, is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, which is gonna be our key verse for this whole study. As we launch into a new year, I pray that this would be true of you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse two says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Watch this, the what? Come on, everybody, help me out in the house. The what? The author and the perfecter of our faith. Wouldn't it be amazing if you let Jesus, the son of God, become the author of your story, become the author of your life to help you live the story that God wants you to tell. How do we live a story worth telling? I believe we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and he will help us tell the story that God wants us to tell. I hope you're getting this today. So here's what we're gonna do in the next four weeks of this series. We're gonna make four decisions. Everybody say four decisions. 
We're gonna make four decisions and I want every single one of you to be here Every single week of this series, do not miss this because they build one to another. We're gonna make four decisions, write these down. In week one, we're gonna decide to start. Everybody say start. Today, we're gonna start a discipline that helps us tell the story that God wants us to tell about our life. And then next week, we're gonna decide to stop. Everybody say stop. Because all of us have behaviors, mindsets, attitudes that hinder us from living the story that God wants us to live. And we're gonna stop one thing that's interrupting the story. The third week, we're gonna decide to stay. Everybody say stay. We're gonna decide to stay when it would be easier to go because often we quit something important when it would be easier and better to stay. We quit on God, we quit on our church, we quit on a friendship, we quit on a dream, we quit on a marriage, and it would really be better to stay, and we're gonna decide to stay the course instead of pushing eject on the story that God's writing. And then week four, <laughs> this is gonna sound completely confusing, but we're gonna decide to go. Everybody say go. Because I can promise every single one of you in order to tell the story that God wants you to tell, you're gonna to have to at some point, and maybe at many different points in your life, you're gonna to have to take a significant step of faith and leave what is comfortable and what is known in order to honor God. It'd be easier to stay, but you're gonna to decide to go. You're gonna to decide to step out in faith on something in your life. So say it with me. We're gonna to decide to do four things. What are they? We're gonna to decide to start and and, and, one more time, we're gonna to decide to do what? Give yourselves a round of applause for participating so well. All right. Today I wanna to talk to you about deciding to start a discipline right now that can be life transforming. Now, I don't want you to start thinking about starting a business or start writing a book. You know, or start, starting a ministry in your life, that's week four. We're gonna talk about all that in week four, so hang on, hang on with me. Today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk, talk about starting a discipline, that word we love. Everybody say discipline. There's an amazing book out there that I would encourage you to read called The Power of Habit. And the authors of that book tell us that there are certain habits, there are certain disciplines that when you practice those habits, they cascade forward in positive momentum and they produce other positive habits in your life. Now understand, in the same way that the presence of those disciplines create positive decisions, the absence of those very key and specific disciplines create the absence of other disciplines, and we all have these. That if we're doing one certain thing, if we're doing one certain something, then we're disciplined and we're moving forward, or when we're not doing that one thing, our disciplined lifestyle starts to unravel. And that's where all kinds of bad things begin to happen. So for me, I have what I call a keystone habit. I'm not 100% with it, but I try to make it a keystone habit, and that is, a few years ago, I tried to start making my bed first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. And it's not because I really care about my bed, because I don't, I care less. I don't care at all. But for me, I tried to, as much as possible, to make the bed first thing in the morning, because this is the first discipline of my life that day. And when I do make my bed, which I, I don't want to do, I feel disciplined. 
Therefore, my disciplined mind tells me it's important for you to take your tail to the gym. Because my disciplined mind says, well, you're already on a roll. You started the first discipline. You need to take your tail to the gym. And so when I do, I then feel better. And so when I feel better for going to the gym, guess what happens? I start to eat better, which is what I'm doing now because the holidays were bad to a brother's health. I'm just telling you, don't look at me and judge and start thinking, well, I see what he's, hear what he's saying, but look what he, I promise you underneath this is a six pack. I promise you it's there. I'm determined to find it. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. When I work out, so the discipline of making the bed leads to, well, now you need to go to the gym. So when I go to the gym, I feel better. So then guess what happens? I start eating better. And since I'm working out and eating better, guess what happens? I sleep better. Therefore, I wake up earlier in the morning and I spend time with God in my devotion time and I go to work full of the presence of God. Therefore, I'm productive. Then I leave on time because I was productive and I come home in a good mood and I see Rachel and she says, you're awesome. And I tell her she's awesome. And that's why we have three kids because I always made the bed in the morning. See how this works, right? Okay, now, if you look on the other side of it, follow me, if you look on the other side of it, if I quit making the bed in the morning, I don't feel very disciplined. And so since I don't feel disciplined as a person, guess what I don't do? I don't go to the gym. And since I don't go to the gym, I don't feel motivated to eat right. And since I'm not taking care of myself, guess what also happens? I don't sleep good either, and I don't wake up on time when I should. And when I, when I, when I don't wake up on time, guess what? I'm grumpy. And so I don't do my devotions because I ain't in the mood. And now I feel condemned and guilty. I didn't spend time with God. And so I go to work in a bad mood and people are mad at me and I'm unproductive. And so I have to stay late because I got a late start and now I'm staying late at the office. And so now I'm going home late and I'm really late and I know that I'm in trouble with Rachel because I'm late. And so I drive really, really fast. And then a police officer tries to pull me over, but I'm in a bad mood because I didn't read my Bible, so I outrun the police officer only to be arrested by a barricade of police right in front of my driveway, and then I go to jail all because I didn't make my bed. Thank you very much. Y'all see how this works, right? Okay, okay, I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly. <laughs> I'll admit that. But you all have those disciplines in your life that create positive momentum. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the absence of those disciplines ends up creating negative momentum. So today, we're gonna decide to start a discipline, one, that can transform our lives. And we're gonna look at an Old Testament person each week, different Old Testament stories, and we're gonna see Old Testament people making decisions that changed the direction of their life. Today, we're gonna look at one of my favorite, favorite Old Testament Bible people, and that is Daniel. I love Daniel and the lion's den. Then we're gonna look at Daniel and the lion's den. Everybody say lion's den. Which certainly proves that even in the Old Testament, cats were evil. Just telling you. Just putting it out there. <laughs> now, if you know the story, Daniel was looked on favorably by King Darius. King Darius had selected 120 satraps or, or, or governors to, to rule the whole territory, and he picked three men to be over these 120 rulers. Daniel happened to be one of the three. 
And Daniel, the Bible says, so stood out in his integrity and his leadership skills that the king said, I wanna put Daniel in charge of everybody. Well, the other 120 were jealous and said, we gotta put a stop to the teacher's pet. Daniel. And so we pick up the story in Daniel chapter six and verse four. The Bible says at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds to charge Daniel, charges against Daniel and of his conduct, uh, government, how he conducted his government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Now stop right there. And so, so what were they doing here? They were looking for some dirt because Daniel has some haters. You got some haters in your life? I do. Guess what? God puts the haters there and allows them to be there to propel you to your destiny. I promise you. Follow me. I'll show you. They're looking for some dirt. Hey, let's find some trash. Let's find some reason to make charges about, against this guy, Daniel. But they couldn't find any. The Bible says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Now think about it. Why was he trustworthy? Why was Daniel trustworthy? Why was he neither corrupt nor, nor negligent? I'll tell you why in a moment. But in verse five, it says, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so they came up with a plan, and you can read all the details about it on your own. They basically went to the king, and they said, hey, king, guess what? We got a great idea. Wouldn't it be awesome if for the next 30 days, no one would be allowed to worship anything, any other God, except for you, O king, for you are so wonderful. And if they pray to any other God, you throw them in the lion's den. And the king said, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of like that. Come on, let's decree that, make it so. No one prays to anyone but me, and if they do, I'll throw them in the lion's den. Now let's go back to the question that I asked a minute ago. Why was Daniel looked upon so favorably? Why was Daniel a man of integrity? Why was there no corruption found in him? Why did the king promote him to leadership? Why did God show favor upon Daniel in the lion's den and deliver him from the mouth of the hungry cats? Why? I'll show you. Because years ago, watch this, years before, Daniel made a decision to start something that made him the man of integrity that he became. And I'll show you what that decision was. In verse 10, it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where he had windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Watch this, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. Think about this, who knows for how long? Certainly weeks, certainly more likely months, perhaps even years, maybe more like even probably a decade or so, but three times a day, Daniel stopped whatever he was doing and he made an appointment with his one true God and king and he knelt before God, he aligned his heart with God, he worshiped his God, he prayed that God's will would be done in his life. Why was he successful? Why was he a man of integrity? Why, how could he, he, he could be looked favorably upon by the king? Why did he rise to influence in the country? Because he made a decision to start praying three times a day, and God transformed his story. 
into the story that God wanted Daniel to tell. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the decisions that we make determine the stories that we tell. So I wanna pose two questions to you. And the first one is very simple. I want you to ask yourself this question. What does God want you to want? What does God want you to want? Another way to phrase it would be, what is the story that God wants you to tell five years from now in your life? What is the story he wants you to tell? What story does God want you to tell about to your friends? What does God want you to want in the future? And I bet any of you, if you're really honest, that you'll sit back this morning and you'll say, well, yeah, there's this one area of my life that, that's not where it should be. Every one of us have that. Or the chapter that I'm currently writing right now ain't gonna end well unless I change something. What story does God want you to tell? And for some of you, it might be a different financial story of your life. And so if you start a discipline today, and, and, and I don't know what it would be, maybe it's you start a budget, or maybe you get a financial, again, to a financial class, or maybe you start, you go get a financial mentor in your life, or you cut up your credit cards, whatever it is, but you start getting a hold of your finances today, then five years from now, your story could go something like this. Hey, you know, we could barely believe it, man, but five years ago, we were in debt up to our ears, living paycheck to paycheck, drowning in debt. Man, we, were, we, we didn't know what to do, but we started whatever it is, and now, after five years, really disciplined and hard-fought years of our life, we are completely out of debt, no more credit card debt, no more student loans, we've paid off everything but the house, and we're on our way to paying that off in the next seven years. And that could be your story if you start a discipline today that allows you to tell that story later. It could be some of you, God wants you to have the right priorities because you don't right now. And it could be five years from now, you could have the story because of a discipline that you started today, your story might be something like this. You know, several years ago, I wasn't the, I wasn't the husband that I should be. I wasn't a good husband, I wasn't a good mom, I wasn't a good spouse, and I was pursuing my career more than anything else, and it became a God to me. And I told myself I was doing it for the family, but really I was doing it for myself. So I decided to stop, and I decided to start coming home every day at six o'clock, no matter what had to be done, I shut everything off, I left my work at the office, or whatever it is, and now it's totally different. I've got the marriage I've always wanted, my kids know me, and I know them, and I'm involved in their lives. And that could be your story if you start the discipline today. It could be some of you, it's more of a story about the way you take care of yourself, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You may be, you, you may be able several years from now to, to, to tell this story. Well, it's hard to believe, but a few years ago, I mean, I actually weighed 38 pounds more or 72 pounds more than I do right now. And, and, and it's so amazing because I just decided to start eating right. And I started to, 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 to get my nutrition on, uh, locked in and I started to go to exercise or whatever it is. But, but now I feel better about myself. I've got a better ministry. I've got a better self image of who I am. And my whole life is completely different. Why? I started this one discipline years ago or last year that helped me tell the story that God wants me to tell. Are you with me today? What does God want you to want? I want every single one of you just to take some time, whether it's now, whether it's later, and write it down in the little blanks I've given you in your note sheet. What does God want you to want? 
And now let me bring the application question to you. And that application question is this. Based on what God wants you to want, based on the story that you know God wants you to tell, I want you to answer this question. What do you need to start in order to tell that story? What do you need to start in order to tell the story that God wants you to tell? What do you need to start to live the life and the story that's worthy of telling someone? And here's the key. What I want you to do is I want you to pick one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing and one thing only because every single one of you, you're gonna be tempted to do what I'm always tempted to do. I look at my life and go, oh, I need like four things. I need seven things, right? All of these different things. And the truth is, if you try to do seven things or nine things, come on, you ain't gonna do one of them, right? No, you pick one. Everybody say one. You pick one and you just commit to one because that one discipline, like I said earlier, will multiply into positive momentum and cascade into other disciplines organically. That's how God wired us. So you pick one and you commit to it and you pray and you ask God, what do you want me to want? What story do you want me to tell? And then what discipline do, do, do you need me to start today, God, to tell that story in my future? And I'll just let you in on a little bit of my journey in this whole thing. And I haven't had a perfect journey with it either. I've made many mistakes and many things in my life. I wish I, ha I have parts of my story and chapters I don't want anybody to know as well. But here's my journey on this. I'll give you some, just some, a snapshot of some things I've learned along the way. But early in ministry, I didn't know how to stop working because there's always more to do, and I was all, you know, I was insecure and all jacked up in my own stuff, trying to prove myself, and so I didn't take good care of myself, but I had some great leaders in my life who said, you know what, you're gonna crash and burn if you keep this up. You're taking too much on yourself. You need to start taking good care of yourself, and they advised me to start a couple of disciplines in my life. They first said, look, you need to get back in the gym. You need to start working out. You take care of yourself. Basically, the principle is those of you who want to make a difference in your life or a difference in ministry, you, can have, you can't have a spiritual ministry without a physical body. Right? That's pretty simple, right? In other words, when you're dead, your spiritual ministry on earth is over. <laughs> so you got to take care of yourself. How many of you know you only get one of these? You better take care of it. So I said, well, I don't have time to work out. And they said, no, you don't have time not to. You better, you better get a hold of it. And I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm in that pattern, that, that kind of flow, that kind of discipline. I, 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 this is not instant results. Come on, I, look, I'm in the long game, y'all. Come on, somebody. I'm in the long game results. So I made the decision to start taking exercise a priority in my life and start routinely as much as I can to get out there and get exercise and get in the gym. Why? I made the decision to start just to start somewhere. Also during that period, I was really battling with workaholism and many of you can relate to this and I'm just being very transparent with you. And a leader, a leader in my life sat down and told me, you're gonna burn out and you're gonna be a casualty unless you get this under control. And so you know what I started to do? This was several years ago in ministry. I was pastor, this church was exploding, but yet I was crumbling. I'm just gonna be very transparent. I'm just putting it all out there because I'm no different than you. This ministry was exploding and I was crumbling in the process. And so I made the decision, you know what? I'm gonna start, I'm gonna go to counseling and I'm gonna find out why I'm so messed up. 
and why I was trying to prove myself to, to, to people I don't need to prove myself to, and why and do I have these unbiblical mindsets that are operating in my life, and so I went to a godly, faith-based counselor that helped me. Matter of fact, I still talk to him to this day. It's been years now, and now, guess what? My story is very, very different. In fact, when my children tell their story, guess who's gonna be part of it in a good way? This guy, their dad. You know what their story could have been, just like so many other pastors' kids. Well, my dad neglected us because he loved the church more than he loved us, and, and we didn't really feel loved, and we didn't really feel valued. But instead, watch, because instead, I made the decision to start, and I got some help, and now my children are gonna be able to say one day, you know, my dad was intimately involved in our lives. He didn't miss our dance recitals. He didn't miss our softball, baseball games. He took us hunting. He took us fishing. He coached us in life. He coached us in the Word of God. He prayed with us. He prayed over us. He had fun with us. He took us on outings. He was involved. He held us. He loved us. He wasn't too busy. He told us that we mattered more than the church. He was involved in every way. My dad was a great dad. And the reason that they're gonna tell that story is because I made a decision to start. Everybody say start. Let me tell you a couple others. Years ago, I really desired a well-rounded knowledge of the word of God. And so I try every year to read through the Bible in one year. I love the one-year Bible. I, I, I use that. Every year, I get on that track. And I learn more every year about the word of God. And now I know the Bible better. Why? Because I made the decision to start, to start something. Several years ago, I also realized that I was carrying too much of the weight of the church in ministry personally, and I wanted more of God's power. But it was hard for me to find it because of the weight that I was carrying. And so I decided to start fasting and praying for 21 days every January at the beginning of every year. And the last several years or so of ministry have been significantly different, have been richer, have been more powerful, have been more fruitful, because I decided to start a discipline that helps me tell the story that God wants me to tell. Are you getting this? So here's a question for you. What does God want you to start? In light of what God wants you to want, what does he want you to start? What discipline today in January of 21 does he want you to start? Just one, just one. Not 10. Don't make a bunch of lists of New Year's resolutions. I'm gonna do these 23 things. You're gonna get to February, hadn't done one, and you're gonna crumple the list up. And you're gonna repeat the same cycle this year and be in the same place next January that you are right now because that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. How many believe if you want something different, you got to do something different? Get off the hamster wheel. Make one, one decision, one discipline. Some of you, you might have, you might have an insecurity in your life. It, it, it may be an addiction. It may be an inappropriate quest for material things. It may be a, a, a defensiveness about you, a bad thought processing, an unforgiveness issue, and you need to start counseling. This is why we have Vibrant Cares. It's because we do care. And we have an, uh, a spiritual mentoring agency in our church for that purpose. You need to submit yourself to someone else who has the wisdom to say, here's the lies that you're believing right now. And here's what the Bible says. Here's the truth about it. 
And you need to renew your mind with the truth and continue to build your life on that. You need to start counseling. Some of you, you might be married and your marriage is not what it could be and it definitely is not what it should be and you know it, but you've just been floating along year to year and so you may need to start something that helps your marriage. You might decide to start praying together. It's amazing what praying together every day or even two or three times a week will do for your marriage. Here's one thing I found. You can't be mad at your spouse for really long when you're praying together. It's hard. You gotta work things out. It's really hard. It's really hard. Listen to me, lean in. Because it's really hard to look at pornography when you know you gotta pray with your wife later on that day. There's an accountability there. Really hard to hold unforgiveness in your heart when you know you have to pray with your spouse and so you may create the discipline of praying together or it might be reading the Bible together or reading a book together or maybe you haven't been alone together because you got all these kids everywhere and you haven't even seen each other alone without kids since 2010. And so you're gonna start a date night every week. No matter what, care if you're tired, don't care what's going on, I don't care what kid's screaming, you let them know you are not more important than her. She was here long before you and she gonna be here long after your tail out the house. I'm putting you on hold and I'm muting you and I'm gonna spend time and invest in this. Because how many couples get to the point in their marriage when their kids leave the house, they look at each other and say, who are you? You know, the rate of divorce for couples, empty nesters, is through the roof because they spent their whole marriage investing in their kids and they never invested in each other. And once the kids left, their purpose was gone and they just dissolved the marriage. Some of you, when you look back at your spiritual, so what you're gonna do, hey, you're gonna decide that we're gonna have a date night, one night a week. I'm gonna get two or three hours alone with you and talk and we're gonna laugh and we're gonna have some fun, Right? Some of you, it's your spiritual life. It's just flat, spiritualized flat, not where it should be. And so you may start, start the discipline of making church a real priority in your life. <laughs> it's not just going whenever it's convenient, going whenever I feel like it. And it's not just going, but it's getting involved in it and using your gifts to make a difference in it and contributing financially to it and being a prayer warrior for it and engaging in the community of it. You may start making church a real priority because this place is not here for us to be a social club. This is the house of God. This is the body of Christ. We're here to change lives. That's what we do. You may need to start being a part of a small group. Small groups are starting next, next week. You need to get in one. You need, you need, maybe you need to start making God's word a real priority in your life and stop looking at me or other pastors to feed you once a week. Feed yourself. Open up the word and let the Holy Spirit speak to your life. I'm preaching better than you responding today. It may mean that, you know, I mean, do you really want to be strong spiritually? Feed on the word. I don't know what you need to start, but chances are you do when you seek God, if you seek God. What story does God want you to tell? Do you want to live a life that's worth telling? 
Do you want to live a story that's worth talking about? Or, or, or one day, do you want to be embarrassed about the chapters of your life? The decisions that you make today are going to determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. You hear what I'm saying today? In fact, I want to show you a really cool story to me very quickly, and hopefully this is going to motivate you on what I'm talking about. It's from 1 Kings chapter 20, and I'll just read it to you because I believe that it just, it just speaks very clearly all by itself. This is about King Ahab in Israel, and the prophet said, God's going to give you this opposing army into your hand. He's going to give it to you. He's going to put it in your hand. And I want you to see what, what happens here in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 13. It says, meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, this is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? I will give it. So he says, do you see this? So this is the opposition. He sees the opposition. Do you see this vast army? He says, I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Now watch, because verse 14, the king asked a question that we would ask. But who's going to do this? Watch, verse 14. But who will do this? Asked Ahab. The prophet replied, <laughs> This is, and, and Ahab asked the question, I believe every one of us really asked, well, who, who's, going, who's going to do it? Me. You're talking to me? I mean, who, who's, who's going to do all this? And I want you to, I want everybody to ask this question out loud. The prophet said, this is what the Lord says. The young officers of the province, commanders will do it. And he says this, here's what I want you to read out loud. Here's the question I want all of us to ask together. One, two, three. And who will start the battle. Let's say it again. Who will start the battle? He asked. And the prophet said, you will. You will. I want to ask you a question this morning. Who is going to start the discipline that will help you tell the story that God wants you to tell? On the count of three, I want everyone to shout, I will. Are you ready? One, two, three. Who's going to start it? Who's going to start it? Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him I'll start it. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, I don't know about you, but I will. I will. I will. I will do it. Who's going to start the battle? Who's going to make the decision today that will help you tell the story that God wants you to tell tomorrow? I will. I will. Who's going to start it? I will. Who's going to start it? You will. You will. You will. And you will. Because if you seek God, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, he will help author the right story of your life. The Bible says, and Daniel prayed three times a day, just as he had done before. And God changed his story off of one discipline that he started. Why did God look upon Daniel favorably? Why was he a man of integrity? Why was he so trustworthy? Why did 120 men find no fault in him whatsoever because at some point in Daniel's life, Daniel made a decision. He, Daniel, Daniel made what, I, what others would probably think was an, a, an insignificant decision, was a very small decision, probably wasn't even worthy of your time. He decided, you know what? Three times a day, I'm just gonna choose. I'm gonna align my heart with God. Because, and because of that decision, he was able to tell the story that God wanted him to tell. You better hear me today. You can live the story worth telling if you'll decide to start 
what God wants you to start because the decisions that you make today will determine the story that you tell tomorrow. Can you say amen, everybody? Hey, did you receive the word today? Did you receive this? January, first of the year. I want us to start one thing. That's how we partner with God in writing our story. Just one thing. Not 10 things, one thing. God, what, is, what do you want me to want? What story do you want me to tell? And what do I need to start now to begin telling that story later?